to the Why Hockey Podcast. It's been a while, and considering a lot of has happened for the Florida Panthers since we last did a show, most of it not good, we decided to bring back an old friend, George Riches of The Athletic, to talk about the future of the Panthers since the present isn't exactly great. Hi, George. Thank you for coming back. Hey, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's cold. You were tweeting about how it's cold in Florida again, but it was much colder where I am, so... Yeah, we're we're back into the '80s. We're good. Oh, okay. because so, it was it was in the teens where I was. So there you go. No, nobody's freaking out. <laughs> nobody's nobody's freaking out about uh being 50 in South Florida again. I, I remember once being down in uh in Broward when it was in the 30s, and I thought that the world was going to collapse down there. No one knew what to do. It was hilarious. No, it's it's pretty cold. Uh, it is pretty cold. Okay, so quick word of war uh not word of warning, but quick word of why we've been away for a month holidays and whatnot tommy has some work crises that he has to deal with and we've all been dealing with some stuff so and we also didn't want to yell at the panthers the same way we've always been yelling at them for about five different podcasts so that's why we were away but we're going to try to be back with a little new format with some new interviews and people talking about all sorts of different hockey things not just necessarily the panthers a lot to get to though uh george as we talk about this team as we enter the all-star break they're actually winning now although i'm going to rain on that parade very shortly i have some questions about the current team before we start talking about the future, which I think is the questions a lot of us who follow the Panthers are asking. A couple of the questions that I have sure. include, I'm surprised if Vincent Trocek came back as early as he did and didn't really think it was necessary considering they're kind of out of the playoff race. He's looked pretty good, but when you break your ankle the way that he did, I did not think we were going to see him for a while. And do you know why they brought him back so soon? Is there any specific reason or was it just that he's healthy and at this point, why not? Yeah, I, I really think that's what it was. I mean, it was a bone, it was a fracture, you know, it wasn't a ligament. Um, so they, you know, once he was medically cleared, they felt that, you know, he couldn't hurt it again. I mean, they say the bone is healed. It's not going to heal anymore. It's got a plate in there, whatever. Um, so once he was cleared, I mean, it, if he hadn't come back uh, over the weekend as he did, I mean, he, he would have been off another two weeks just skating and, and doing things and he's looked you know pretty good he's got a couple goals in there has really been a spark for this team uh maybe just what the doctor ordered for the for these guys um and, and again there was no risk of, of further injuries so um you know he, he had been skating for three four weeks whatever it has been strengthening the muscle around the bone and that was that was the initial that was the injury it was a broken bone that it has healed up and you know, once you get clearance from that, you might as well just go ahead. And, and, and like Bob Bugner said, you know, he was banging his fists on the desk saying, put me in. So they're like, what the hell? It's a, it's a, we don't have anything to lose because the season's already kind of lost thing, even though they've yeah. won the three in a row. And I hate saying it, but they played the Leafs after they just won an emotional game in Tampa and they haven't played good for a month. As many Leafs fans have told me over the last couple of days, they played Nashville without Ryan Johansson, who was suspended, and they played the Sharks when they did have two of their best defensemen. So even though they beat some good teams, they didn't necessarily beat them at full strength. And we're starting to see the narrative pop up again. Oh, remember what they did last year after the All-Star break when they played in what turned out to be almost inhumanely good where almost everything went right. They won a ton of hockey games. They played really well, and they still missed the playoffs. And we're starting to hear that again because they've won three in a row heading into the All-Star break. But they're 10 points back of Pittsburgh, played the same number of games. The Penguins aren't missing the playoffs. I believe they're 11 points back of the Canadians who have played a similar number of games. They're not making it. So why are we hearing that again? Is it to get the good feeling back because everything's been so negative this season? Because I don't really see why you rehash this argument even though, yes, last year happened, they had less to overcome last year than they do this year. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, it's a, you know, I I don't know that this team was, you know, I wasn't paying that close attention to the standings, but I don't know if last year's team was ever 14 points out. Um, What happened last year was the Panthers played, like you said, at an impossibly incredible rate. They won 25 of their last 35, got points in in all but eight of those games. Yet everybody else won as well. I mean, I was covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. They they went on a run where they won like 15 out of 17. New Jersey didn't lose. Philadelphia didn't lose. So in, in the normal season, had the Panthers done what they did last year, they, they, they probably should have been in the playoffs. Other teams just kept playing just as well as they had been. So um, to do it again this year, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to get the exact kind of goaltending they've got in the past three games. Um, they're going to have to continue scoring it at a good rate. Um, 
and other teams are going to have to fall off. Other teams can't keep winning, and this is a three-point league. Everybody knows the problems. I mean, you could win four in a row and really not pick up any 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 ground in the playoffs. Uh, the Panthers kind of have right this second. Um, they've been able to trim their deficit from 14 to 10, um, but they're still, you know, everybody ahead of them. Like you said, Pittsburgh's not going to miss the playoffs. Montreal's got a very healthy lead. So, yeah, and they've got to catch New York, Carolina, and Buffalo. So um, it's not going to be an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. But like you said, there's been so much negativity. Um, there's been such a such bad vibes around this team for most of the season. At least this is a breath of fresh air. At least you can say, hey, you know, this this team is, is you know, when they're on, they're on, they're a good team, and we knew that. And I think – at the end of the day, that probably only adds to the disappointment because you see what this team could have been, and then you look at what they are, and and you know it's it's you know not where they want to be. So, uh, well, the only thing I'll say is at least if you want to think they have a chance, and I don't think you should be subscribing to that theory. They do play a billion home games, and they are better at home on the road. They play one road game until the trade deadline, which I mean they play a lot of good teams. They're playing Nashville and Vegas and Pittsburgh and Calgary and Tampa. Montreal, they're playing a lot of the teams ahead of them, but that's a lot of good hockey teams that they've got to play in this next stretch. And then, I mean, the road ahead, they've still got two West Coast road trips. I I just don't think it's even possible. But now I have to ask the question based on what you were just talking about, which is why this team is playing well now. And I'm not using injuries as an excuse because every team has injuries. The Bruins, the entire team is injured, and they're still in the playoffs. And the Ducks have had a billion injuries, and they still, even with a 12-game losing streak, are in the playoffs. Uh, Why can't this team play like that in October, November? That's the great question. I mean, you look at, you know, the old, the old, uh, if you're in the playoffs and Thanksgiving deal and, and the Panthers are never in the playoffs come Thanksgiving, I think two out of the last 10 years, something like that. Their, their tough starts have buried them many, many a year. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Um, you know, this year you saw them win two games in October uh, two of their first 11 games to start this season um, before they went on that five-game winning streak back in November, and then they fell off again. So why this team can't just start the year playing well, I don't know. I mean, but but listen, yeah, listen, they've won three straight, as we said, but that's off a seven-game losing streak. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, but a week ago that, you know, it was doom and gloom around here. So, you know, three games can kind of fix some things, but but not everything. Well, paper over the cracks is a phrase that I've used a lot in covering other sports. And uh, I, I mean, the seven-game losing streak, they looked awful in most of those games. And there was just a lot of stuff that's wrong. And that does not change the fact that that's still very much wrong. And I hate being negative, but you kind of want to not fall into the same trap as what happened last year. And a lot of us believed that what we saw last year at the end of the season could be translated this year. And since it's not... People like me, who are cynical, and we understand that sometimes we might be overly cynical, but we fall into that where we just don't want to say, we're not going to see that again. I'm not falling for it. And Now we have to start talking about the future of this team, after the present's been pretty poor and the past has been poor too. We get to the trade deadline. Uh, maybe they've trimmed their deficit to like six points by that point, which even then seems kind of not realistic. But you wrote something about who could be on the move. They don't have a lot of super tradable assets the guys that most teams want are players they're probably not going to consider offers for Uh, I think in many ways the players who are most likely to be traded I bet there's going to be a ton of interest in Mark Pesek I bet there's going to be interest in Nick Bugstad don't see many like the Browers of the world getting a ton of interest unless you're trading him for like a seventh in 2020 or something like that so let's go over the kinds of things we could see them doing they don't want to be sellers but they are they should be and so I think those kind of players, Pesic to Bugstads and maybe one other if they get a decent offer, are probably the players who they're going to be in the business of selling. And I think they probably should, at least, you know, the, the way that they want to go. They're going to have more forwards and presumably more D eventually trying to crack this lineup. And they're going to have to make spots for them. And some of these players could probably do with a change of scenery. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some guys on this team that – that they may they may feel that they want to move on from um and i think you know what we've all kind of figured what's going to happen come the deadline but and it's it's you know a month away february 25th is 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 what you just laid out there so they'll be six points out of the playoffs when the when the trade deadline comes and they're gonna 
they're they're probably not going to do a whole lot just because they feel like, well, let's see what this team can do. Let's give them a chance. And, and uh, you know, that's, you know, not really going to help things moving forward. But, you know, again, it's still a month away. Um, I don't think they have a whole lot to sell unless they're trying to make a bigger deal. Um, yeah, like you said, Troy Brower, you know, he, you know, everybody likes him around here. What are you going to get for him? You may just end up keeping him. Michael Haley, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you know, sorry, I, I have to laugh at that. You know, I have to laugh at that. I, 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 I'm just telling you that, you know, that, you know, they love him around the locker room, that kind of thing. You're not going to get anything for him anyway. So why not just keep him? Um, I'm just telling you that, that that's how things are. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah, yeah. And he's not playing right now and neither is neither, you know, two of the, you know, some of your free, the three, your three unrestricted free agents are Brower, Haley and Kiselevich. They haven't played all you know, in the last three games. So you're not, you're not exactly showing them off the potential suitors. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it just depends. I think they are going to make some moves. I think they'll make a few things here and there. Um, I do think that, that, you know, it just depends how they, these next couple games go. I mean, it really does because right now they're 10 out. They'll probably come back 12, 13, 14 out um, when this break is over. And if they can claw back into it, great. If they can't, we'll see. But I just don't know what all they have to do. But looking ahead to next year, um, right now they're $2 million under the cap. They need to get some cap. They need to get some cap flexibility if they want to do some things in the off season. So I think there are going to be some moves, what they are, you know, I don't know right now, but they are going to have to do something. I think that the, the Pesic move is probably a decent one. You could get something for him, right shot D. Uh, he's got one more year left at a reasonable cap term. You know, teams like that. Uh, I think you could get something for him. And if the team is going to be as high on Josh Brown or Ian McCosh or any number of these players as they probably are, even though they might not necessarily want to be, but for the sake of this argument, I think you could trade Pesic and probably get something decent for him. Uh, Nick Bugstad is the interesting one. I think he's got two years left at 4.1. It's clear that it's just been a struggle for him with injuries and whatnot. They're trying to make it work with him. I've wanted him to succeed so much. He's one of the most likable players on this team, but it seems like it's the time for the Panthers to move on because you're going to have other forwards that you want to play, presumably Owen Tippett next year. Uh, and others down the line, and you could get something for Bugstad because of his cap hit, because of the size, and the fact that some team is going to really want him. He's only 26 years old. He's not exactly old. So if the Panthers did make something, like what would they have to do? What would the offer have to be in order to trade players like that, which I think they should absolutely be in the business of doing? Well, I would think that they're looking for high draft picks. They're looking for for prospects that they like. I mean, they're out there scouting everybody's organizations. They're they're making their lists. Um, you know, they're seeing what every other team has to offer. Um, I think they probably would like a, you know an NHL player in return um, for something like for something like Bugstad. I think it would have to be a, a nice package of stuff. Something. I mean, I just think that he means a lot to, to the people in the front office and in his teammates. So. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, we've been hearing for the last couple of years, the Nick Bugstad's available. Um, now, like you said, he's got two years left on his contract before maybe the contract was a little bit of a hindrance. Um, now you've got two years left. The team that really that wants him would be able to, you know, get him in there and then make him part of their organization moving forward. Um, I, I think it would take a little bit of a package to do some stuff. That's kind of a bigger deal. That's probably an off season deal. I don't think you're going to see something like that right now. Um, unless they're just looking for prospects and picks. Uh, if that's all Dale would be looking for, yeah, I would think that someone like Nick Bugstead would be very attractive to a contending team um, because he can he can jump in your lineup and help right away. And if all, all Florida's looking for is future considerations, you know, then that deal could be made in, in a couple of weeks. I don't think they necessarily would consider it, but they should definitely listen. Another player, we talked about this a month ago, George, are the players that I think they absolutely should listen to offers to, depending on what they are, are Hoffman and Dadnoff, because as we said, you're going to have Tippett around next year. Uh, both have one year left. Both are going to be due raises. Hoffman probably more than uh, Dadnoff, considering their profiles and what kind of players they are. Uh, Hoffman's been everything that the Panthers could have asked for. It's just that everything else is about has been kind of bad. So I don't think that that's something you do now. Maybe you do it in the summer, but I think they should consider it. And 
you would have to start with a really big package. If Nick Bugstad's going to get what you've been talking about, then those two are going to get something really pretty substantial. I think they should listen. I mean, we're, we're talking Barkov, Huberto, Trocek kind of players who you wouldn't probably listen to offers for because you don't want to completely throw the baby out with no. the bathwater. But you, you, even if you're considering something like that, I think they should. The offers would have to be first plus plus, probably. Like, for, for instance, yeah. oh. we saw uh, – I saw a Nashville uh, piece a couple of days ago where they were saying we, the Predators should be interested in Mike Hoffman. And for me, the first thought was first-round pick plus Dante Fravro and probably more. That's the kind of package you've got to start to think about for something of that nature, I would think. Yeah, I would think both those guys would, would, would uh, you know, demand quite a haul. And I think, yeah, I think that, that they would be guys that, that Dale would listen to. Um, especially when you look at the cost, when you look at what you paid for, for Dadnoff, he was a free agent. So you didn't give up anything to get him. When you look at what they gave up to get Mike Hoffman, it was a couple draft picks. So, um, and then you look at the season that he's had, he's, he's going to have career numbers this year, um, or is at least on pace to have career numbers. So I would think that both players are very attractive, uh, to other teams. I think the Mike Hoffman off the ice stuff is kind of, you know, definitely kind of disappeared and maybe not forgotten, but it's definitely way back in the, uh, you know, in the back of the memories. So, um, and he, you know, he hasn't been any sort of a problem here. I mean, everybody seems to really like the guy and he's, he's a good teammate and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I would think if, if, if a team is offering you the moon for, you know, for some a couple of these players, then, uh, you know, you might not only just listen, you might pull the trigger on it. I would think that they should. Honestly, if you get a good enough deal for Hoffman, maybe not bad enough because you could re-sign him at a lower ticket, but if it's Hoffman and somebody's willing to pay it, because he's going to want a big raise. And the Panthers, they shouldn't be in the business of giving out giant contracts to somebody who's going to be north of 30 like that. And so, at least, right. to, me, at least to me, but perspectives are different. But that, that move obviously worked out very well. Uh, and now yep. we focus on... 2019-20, because 2018-19 is probably down the drain already. Uh, we have to ask the coaching question, because I think it's what's driving the ire of most Panthers fans at this moment. Uh, everybody in the organization is at fault for why this team is bad this year when they shouldn't be. But in my view, just from watching from where I sit and seeing the things that I see, and again, perspectives could be different, greater among equals is coaching. And there are some things that Bob Boogner's teams do, particularly that Montreal game a week ago, where they had 53 shots but got outchanced in high danger areas by the Canadians, was proof positive of that. There are some things that he does with line matching and lineup combinations and defense pairings and the system and the way the team wants to play that is a distinct problem. They might have goaltending issues. They might not have had Vincent Trocek for two months, but coaching was a bit of a problem at the start of the year when Trocek was healthy. And I have to ask, if this team misses the playoffs by what we think they're probably going to, I don't think the front office could come back with the coaching staff as is in 2019-20, do you? Even if it's not Bugner, I think they have to change something. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see how this thing plays out. Again, there's three months left, whatever there is. Um, I think they're committed to, to Bob Bugner. He's got a couple years left on his contract. Um, they three feel like left, he's, he's evolving. Uh, I think he only got a four-year deal. So Okay, well, I'm think, I think maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, They've never given out a five-year contract before, so um, I'll have to look into that. But um, – it, it's just one of those situations where, you know, they feel like they hired a first-time coach. They're trying to be patient. They, yeah, I do think there are some some questions about some things. He, you know, he's still learning as a, as a head coach. He's only coached at the junior level as a head coach. He's been an assistant the last couple of years in San Jose um, before taking over this job. Um, you know, that that's going to be something that they have to decide in the offseason. I don't think he's losing his job anytime soon. Um, but everybody I've talked to within the Panthers are fully supportive of him. Um, you know, not one of those, you know, I, I just think that even, I mean, if, if he was, if they were going to do something, they would have done it during that seven game losing streak. Right. I mean, um, so oh, it's apparent they're not going to do anything. December was probably. Yeah. Well, they, if they yeah, that, that, that is true too. I mean, I asked them about it in November. So, um, I, I think that they're going to, they're going to stick with him. Um, try and keep some consistency, kind of give him a chance to, to, to try and, and get back into this thing. Um, you know, we're cynics. We're sitting on the outside. 
we're saying, you know, there's no way this is going to happen. We know how hockey works. We've seen the history of it. And I think, you know, they all know that as well. But they want to see some excitement. They're, they're seeing it now. Um, and it's given a little bit of a jolt to this team going into the break. That's all well and good. Um, they, you know, in the off season, there there will be meetings. There will be talks. You know, there will be – they'll see what's going on, who's out there, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But to speculate right now – without knowing how this thing ends and, and we don't know how this team's going to progress. Maybe it, maybe it goes backwards from here. Uh, maybe this three game streak is the highlight of the season. They come back and they totally bomb it out the rest of the way. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see on that. But I do think it's going to be a point of discussion, like you said. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think the odds of Bob coming back are better than 50-50 next year. We're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. I would put my money on 100% he comes back next year. Now, whether the coaching staff, as it is presently assembled, comes back intact, that I wouldn't bet on. But I do think it's almost guaranteed that Boogner's coming back, based on the comments from the Panthers. And also, they've had a billion coaches this decade. And you can tell there's yeah. some insistence from the front office that they don't want to fire another one. And I get that. However, the only thing that I say about this is this team kind of at many times looks like it needs a veteran coach. looks like it needs somebody who's been there and done that. And everybody talks about Joel Quenville, um, reasonably so because of his connections with Dale Talon. And there are going to be other teams that want Joel Quenville this offseason. And there's probably going to be a bidding war for him. And I did see one report that reported Bob Bugner's salary compared to other coaches' salaries. I don't know the veracity of that, but, I mean, that, that's something that Muddy Panthers fans talks about is how much they pay coaches, and we could get into that another time. Then we sure, get into... Sure. And they've lost, and they've lost out on some big-time coaches Biles because will. they haven't been... Yeah. You remember that from... And he's available. Sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. Well, but, that, you know what, with Vinny and, and Char, I, I think it's with Vinny... Owning this team and being as invested as he is, uh, it doesn't seem like he, he, you know, he he will pay the, the money if he feels like that's the decision they have to go in. So uh, think I think then, some of the past concerns, past do, concerns I don't think are there right now. Do you think then that if push came to shove and the Panthers could hire Joel Quenville at whatever his ticket would be, I don't know what he was making at Chicago, but it was a lot more than what Bob Bugner is making. If push came to shove and the Panthers could hire Joel Quenville, but that ticket would be four or five million dollars a year which is more than the panthers have ever spent on a coach probably would they do it uh well i didn't know and when i say yes i said yes that's about what it's going to take minimum you know i'm thinking four and a half five to, to start the talks with joel i believe he was making six in chicago um i i think they seriously consider it yeah i mean i think they talk about it um i, I think that you know if, if, if joel quinville um, is interested in coming to Florida. Um, I don't think the money is going to be that big of a problem. Um, within, yeah, within reason, he's not going to get $8 million to coach hockey in South Florida. But uh, I think, you know, it, it, they have to look at it, don't they? I mean, that he's one, of, he's one of the best coaches out there. He's a game changer. He's a Stanley Cup winner. Um, you saw what he did in Chicago, the, you know, pushing all the right buttons, that kind of thing. He's had uh, a couple months off to, to recharge the batteries. Um, yeah, I would think that the Panthers would definitely uh, have to consider that. Well, that's some what Panthers fans would like to hear, but now saying it in theory is one thing and saying it in practice is another. Because if, sure. oh, yeah. if they do end up firing Boogner, I would assume it happens in November, something like that, if it starts slow again. Then you'd have to hire a veteran head coach, and who knows who's available at that point. And I doubt Quenville is, but that's a hypothetical that we can – Get into no, it. Joe, no, Joel Quenville will have a job this year. You know, you know, he'll, he'll be off the market. It's a matter of whether it'll be Florida or not, and I would bet on it not being Florida. But this is the same thing if you're talking about Todd McClellan or somebody like that. You're, gonna, you're not going to have to pay sure. him Joel Quenville money, but you're going to have to pay him more than what reportedly Bob Bugner is making. And that's a question that yep. Panthers fans have that they absolutely should have. So now we get into other questions about this team for the future and – that starts, I think, in many ways with goaltending, and we talked about this before. The goaltending this season for the Panthers has been poor, although it's been better of late. But Roberto Luongo's had a tough year. The injuries, obviously, and also there was a couple games on that road trip where he was in not great shape and he didn't play very well. 
the James Reimer thing has been out there for a while, and it's clear they want to upgrade on goaltending. You talked about Sergei Bobrovsky when the Panthers played the Blue Jackets, and that situation looks like it's pretty come pretty much coming to a head that Bobrovsky can leave. Uh, to get him would cost a lot of money, eight at the very least, uh, and then you have to start worrying about Reimer to get that cap hit off the book. He's got uh, two more years at three point four million. And Luongo's contract, which doesn't pay a lot of actual money, but in terms of cap dollars, you can't have $13 million tied up in goaltending. So if the Panthers are going to get Bobrovsky, in many ways they have to get rid of both Reimer and Luongo. And now Luongo, they can't force to do anything he doesn't want to do because he's Roberto Luongo. We don't know anything about what his future might be. But that seems like the only way that they could bring in somebody like Sergei Bobrovsky in 2019 is if both of them go. And I, again... You say that there's a lot still going on, and there is. But if that's what they want to do, then that seems like the formula that has to be followed because you can't have $12 million in your cap on goaltending. Right, and that's the problem. And, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think Lou only makes $1.6 million next year in real money, but his cap hit remains the same. <laughs> um, you know, listen, I mean, Lou has his said. If he feels good, he's coming back. He's going to continue to play as long as he feels like he can play at a high level. You've seen him the last couple games. Looks pretty good. Um, if that continues, I mean, again, we have a couple months. We have to wait and see how he feels, you know, going into the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is going to be tricky. And, and you may end up with, like you said, $13, 14000000 million against the cap in goaltending just because that's the way it works now. It may only be for one year. Does Lou, does, if Lou plays next year, could next year be his last year? Possibly. He still would have two years left on that contract. But uh, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised if if, if Roberto Luongo returns next year, but next year is, is it would be it. Um, again, depending on how he feels, he'll be 41 at the end of next season. So, um, we're you know, that's another thing that they're going to have to figure out, and, and maybe that's something that's worked on behind the scenes. I don't know. Uh, maybe they get a stout gap in goal um, and, and come back at it in a couple years. We're just going to have to wait and see. But, I, again, they are going to look for something new in goal, um, you know, moving forward. Well, that would mean moving James Reimer, and there's a bonus issue yeah. with that contract. And I don't know who takes it, but they're going to try to move it. That's going to be that's going to be hard to do. And Luongo's contract, let's say he, he does retire this year, if that happens, you'd have to move that with assets to someone who has cap space and be willing to eat it for three years. Well, I don't even know what the cap recapture stuff on that would be. It's all complicated, but they'd have to move it. Uh, and, and they can't make Luongo do anything he doesn't want to do. He will say what he wants, and then the team will do what he says. If he's going to come back, he's going to come back. Uh, Sam Montembeau, I yeah. guess, is the other question. Uh, it, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's guaranteed, but it seems fairly likely that James Reimer's gone next year, probably, based on the reading the tea leaves. But if they don't get a probably gap, yeah yeah I would, I would I'd be surprised if Reimer's back next year yeah. Do you think that then that means Sam Montembeau comes up and ends up being Luongo's deputy because he's been the guy they've been grooming for a while. He's an All Star at Springfield. He's played really well this year. We've wondered on this podcast, Tommy and myself, whether Montembeau is the guy. Is he going to take the leap? And it seems like steps are being taken towards that. I think a lot of Panthers wanted to see them when they got no goaltending earlier this year. They wanted to see him play, and I still want to see him play at the NHL level. Uh, I don't know whether that's something that you could see, but something maybe we see down the stretch. I mean, if they're out of it, probably. But does yeah, that seem like is yeah, that an option? Yeah, I think it have to. It would be an option if somebody gets hurt. I think they're going to they're going to stay where they're at right now with Luongo and Reimer, barring a trade. Um, if, if Roberto or, or James were to be injured, yeah, I think you'll see Montembeau up here, and it won't be just to back up like it was last year. Uh, you know, Montembeau came up last year and and dressed as the backup, but didn't play. If he comes up this year, he's going to play. Um, and, and they're going to see what they've got out of them. Now, they would rather not do that. They like keep him in down there. They're trying to – they remember what happened, you know, with Jacob Markstrom, and they felt like they rushed him, and he was on a, you know, the, the teeter-totter back and forth between, you know, Rock, uh, San Antonio and here, um, and, and it felt like that kind of messed things up with, with, with that situation. But uh, they don't want to, to repeat that with Montembeau. So, um Again, it, it, if, if the situation is there where they need him, they're going to bring him up and they're going to play him. Um, I don't see a situation where Roberto Luongo and Montembeau are the goaltenders next year because in that case, you're looking at Montembeau 
being the starter. And I don't know if they think that he's ready to be an NHL starter right now. I don't think that's the option. So, um, you know, he's only, I think, 21, 22 years old. He's still got a few years left that, you know, that they want to just keep, you know, slowly developing him. Um, I haven't spoken. He will be 23 in October. He's an RFA at the end of the year. Right. So, I mean, he's under team control for, for a long time now. Um, you know, again, we'll just have to, to wait and see, but I just don't see him being the guy next year because if it's Roberto Luongo and Sam Montembo, if Roberto Luongo returns next year, they, they kind of want Lou to kind of be a, in a backup role. Um, so whoever the, whoever the number, whoever the other goalie is with, with the Panthers next year is going to get the lion's share of the starts. And I just don't think they feel like Montembeau's ready. Now, maybe that changes. Maybe he, he plays great the rest of the way in the AHL. Maybe he comes up here and starts eight, ten games at the end of the year due to injury or something. I don't know. Something unforeseen like that. And he plays extremely well. And they say, hey, you know what? This kid's good enough to do it. He's our guy. And then you, then all the stuff that we talked about before, it goes out the window. I mean, that's the fun part of this stuff you know you never know what's going to happen but as it stands right now I just don't see him being the starter next year so if uh, if then I ask if not Bobrovsky then who because because again you don't want 12 13 million dollars of cap taking up for goaltending because then completely limits what you could do elsewhere even if the actual money for uh, yeah Roberto Luongo is not there that that to me is a huge concern you don't want to box yourself into a hole like that because you you really do limit what you can do elsewhere and the Panthers have demonstrated needs particularly in top 4d that they need to fill and will not be cheap to fill well a guy that you know i, I would you know I, I think the new york islanders are going to re-sign uh, robin leonard i think he's a free agent next year um he's looked really good this year now that he's gotten he, you know he struggled in buffalo uh you know they cut him loose he ends up with the islanders uh, and he's been playing terrific in new york i would be surprised if the islanders let him go but if there's an opportunity for the Panthers to go after somebody, someone that you don't have to pay Bobrovsky kind of money or Varlamov kind of money, Robin Leonard might be a guy that they look at to, to, to come in here and, and do it. So um, there are some options out there. I mean, you know, uh, they're looking at all angles right now, I'm sure, um, to see what's going to happen. But I think Bobrovsky and, and Varlamov are the two number one targets if they can make it work. And, um, again, we're just going to have to see what happens with all that. Your, your options would be Jimmy Howard, Cam Talbot's definitely going to be a free agent after what we just saw, Mike Smith, sure. um, Elliot and Neuvert, probably it's, not, Andrews Nielsen, maybe Ryan Miller. It's not a lot of great pickings out there. Not a lot of Maybe they could get and Cam Talbot. Let's not, let's not forget. Let's not forget Cam Talbot was almost the goalie here. I mean, he almost, Dale Talon had a deal. Well, James Reimer became what Dale Cam Talon had a deal. In, yes. Yeah, Dale had a deal in place with the Rangers to bring him in um, at the draft that was here in Sunrise, and that fell through. Talbot gets sent to the to the Oilers. Um, the Panthers stay, stay stay where they were for one year, and then they bring in James Reimer to kind of fill that role. I mean, the whole thing was, you know, bring in Cam Talbot, and then it became James Reimer to kind of back up Luongo for a couple years and then kind of emerge as the starter. So, I don't know, Cam Talbot, you know – Obviously struggled in Edmonton, um, but the Panthers liked him at one point, so we'll have to see if they go back to that. So then, otherwise on the shopping list, uh, we'll get you a couple more questions before we'll let you run, although it's the All-Star break, so you have a 10-day break like the team does. Uh, another yep. shopping list, I said number one, I think, with a bullet is another top 4D, and they desperately need one. Mike Mathis has had a rough year. I don't think that's necessarily permanent, but it's been a really hard year for him. Yandel and Ekblad are only getting older. Keith Yandel's probably had his best year with the Panthers. Aaron Ekblad's responded really nicely, but they desperately need other help in top 48. If they trade Pesek, then certainly I think that would be necessary. Even if they don't trade Pesek, they need to upgrade their top 48 regardless. So uh, is that the biggest need? Because I think there's that. I, I, I mean, you look at the lineup and you're like, there aren't many like clear-cut holes aside from maybe that in goaltending. But... Like, what do you think? Is that like the other number one item on the shopping list this summer? Because I think it should be. Yeah, no, I think I think they're looking to improve the D. I think that that has been a problem. Um, you know, a lot of it gets blamed on the goaltending, but you know, I, I think the old the way the Panthers have always played was our defense makes mistakes and the goaltending bails you out. Well, this year the goaltending didn't bail you out. I mean, even in the game yesterday, 
Roberto Luongo was back to playing, you know, pretty good form. Um, there were mis- there were turnovers made right in front of the net. Two weeks ago, those go in the net. Two months ago, those go in the net. Last night, he made the save. I think the last couple, you know, couple games, the Panthers goaltenders have again bailed out defensive mistakes. I think it was Keith Yandel that left the left the left the puck right in front of Luongo. Shot went wide, or you know, Luongo got a glove on it or something. Um, so you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I would think that they they do need to look at the defense and maybe add a piece or two. They do like some of these young kids um, who have given them a little bit of toughness, who have given them a little uh, shutdown look. You know, uh, uh, Mackenzie Weger will be back uh, when this team returns, so uh, maybe he gets some more more time. I don't know, playing up a little higher. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after some defense as well. This is why they should definitely be in the business of trading Pesic because if they like Josh Brown and Ian McCaution, and listen, we've seen them for three games, but Josh Brown hasn't done anything to tell me that he isn't any better than any of the players that have played before him. And same with McCaution, nope, who I, I like. And same with McCaution, who I like. you got to be in the business of trading one of them just to clear some of that gridlock. And it's not like they have the best yep. defensive prospects anyway. I think that's an area that they should be focusing on in the draft, defense and goaltending, but that's that's down the line. So, yeah, you got to go to front office, and uh, a lot of people also with the Panthers, when you talk about things that need to change, though, a lot of people are mentioning Dale Talon. We talked about this before. You mentioned if it went wrong this year and it kept spiraling, and it did, we could easily see a change in the front office. I don't necessarily think that happens because this organization no. is very much staying the course. But, like, like what – what is the plan for the future of the Panthers? Because Dale Talon isn't going to keep doing this forever. He's been with the Panthers since, what, 2010? It's crazy, right? He's going to yep. be there nine years, whether he's been the GM for all of them, rightly or wrongly, whatever you could say about that. He's been with the Panthers for nine years. He's also in his 70s. He's not going to keep doing this forever. What is the succession plan? What do they want to do? And how much longer do you think he stays? Because, well, he's made good moves. I think many Panthers fans are kind of wondering, okay, what, what's next? this organization who's going to be running the ship going forward yeah i mean that's a good question i I don't i don't foresee dale town giving this up anytime soon um i you know like like i said when we were talking last time um you know i basically said i think all things are going to be on the table come the off season i think you know vinnie viola is going to sit down and and, you know and, and look over the organization and see where things can be improved but i do think that dale will be back um, as far as how long, I don't know. I mean, he's still a very active guy. He's still at every game. He's still out on the road scouting when he can. So he enjoys this. This is his life. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's going to try and do this as long as he can. So I don't think he's going to be giving it up anytime soon to, to retire and play golf, that kind of thing. Um, as much as he loves playing golf, um, right I, I think, yeah, no, you know, and, and he makes a point that he hasn't played since, you know, since September. So he's making, he makes everybody, lets everybody know that he hasn't been on the golf course all this time. He's in the office. Unfortunately, trying to he'll be there in April, out. but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, he'll, he'll have plenty of time down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, have more so, time I don't know. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. I really don't know. I mean, Eric Joyce is the assistant general manager, works very closely with Dale, works very closely with Vinny and, and Matt Caldwell and all them. So I would think that Eric Joyce is, is, is part of that moving forward. Um, as far as who would be the next general manager, that, that would be absolute pure respect. I have no idea because I can't even tell you when it's going to come, who, who they would look at. You know, that's, that's, who knows? That would just be a complete guess. I think it's most people are asking when you get to a point this season, every question has to be asked. And another one that I'm going to ask, we're almost getting to the end. This, of course, thank you for your time again, George, is many Panthers fans are wondering, because there was a time when Vinny Viola, well, particularly Doug Sifu, talked a lot. That was mostly social media, and you could say what you want about social media, but they did talk a lot. Now they don't talk so much. And a lot of Panthers fans are wondering, when are we going to hear from them? Because during when it was getting bad, I think there were a lot of questions about ownership, as there always kind of is with the Florida Panthers. And this ownership group has had its ups and downs, of course. Uh, do you suspect that we're going to hear from them until uh, any point during the year? Like, if they go on another losing streak, I think the patience is really starting to fray with a lot of the fan base, even some of the longer-term fans. And Twitter's not really representative of this, but when you start to see some of the long-term, like, really diehard season ticket holders being throwing their hands up in the air, saying – what are we doing here? 
then to me, that would make ownership a little bit nervous. Uh, do you think we're going to hear from them at any point in the near future? Or do you think we have to wait until the end of the season before they start to lay out what they think they're going to do? Because a lot of Panthers fans want to know what the direction of this team is. What do they want the team to be? Because really, for the last couple of years, they've been pretty quiet. We haven't heard from them as much as we did. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But I think a lot of Panthers fans are really starting to ask, like, what is the plan going forward for this team? What is, what do they want this team to be? Because this was supposed to be the year that they were taking a step forward, and well, they haven't. Yeah, I agree, and I think they feel that way. I mean, I've talked to Vinny. Um, he he's up in the press box every game now. I mean, he he's a, he's becoming a hands-on guy where he wants to be around the team. He's in the locker room after wins and that kind of thing. Um, you know, but they are quiet. I mean, I, I can't get, you know, he doesn't like talking on the record. He doesn't like talking about the team. He lets Dale Talon do the talk and Matt Caldwell, um, you know, he lets them do the talking. But I think that he's disappointed. I think Vinny's very disappointed with the way this season has gone. Um, he feels like that this team is close. He, he's as frustrated as anybody else because he knows the talent that's on this team. He's the guy writing the checks. He's the guy that's got this team $2 million from the cap for a team that's 10 points out of the playoffs. Um, you know, nobody wants to, to win as much as Vinny does. And, and I know he's, he, you know, he doesn't like what he's seeing some nights, but um, he does feel that the team is close. Um, you know, just, you know, in, in talking with him and with Dale and everybody, you know, they, they feel like if a couple of things had gone their way that they would, you know, if they got average goaltending, okay, if they got average goaltending in the first three months of the season, they'd probably be in a playoff spot right now, or at least a couple points out. They didn't even get average goaltending. They got, you know, w- you know, some of the worst goaltending in the league statistically, um, you know, and you can talk about the Vinny Trocheck thing, and and, and you, you can't make excuses because, like you said, look at the Boston Bruins, all the injuries every, they've had, they somehow survived. And, and absolutely, sorry for interrupting, but it's a thing that I've thought about a lot when I watch this team. Is like they they do seem to default to saying, well, if we had a save, or if that call went our way, or if we were healthy. And I don't like that mindset. It's a mindset of finding reasons to say why you couldn't control something when you can, you know, and they talked about starting fast this year and they clearly didn't do that. They talked about starting fast in games. And for a while they were down one, two, nothing within the first two minutes, the first like five minutes before the first TV timeout, you know, like that. I I don't know why they, they keep doing that. And that to me comes from it's, I'm not saying it's necessarily directly from the top, but it's like, you can't make excuses anymore. Like, we've reached the point in the Panthers' growth as an organization with the players you have on the contracts that they have that excuses aren't really something that Panthers fans want to hear anymore. And I think most people... And I, and I agree like, with that. You know, the excuses are kind of getting in the way of, well, this team has problems. And in many ways, you could argue they weren't addressed or they were covered up. But I think that that's what most people want is, like, what is the plan to say, well, we're not going to make excuses anymore and we're going to back it up because the best teams in the league don't really make those excuses. I mean, the the Penguins have had injuries. The, 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 the Bruins, I mean, they're, what, third in the Atlantic and their entire team was injured, basically? I know that it happens, but every team's got bad injuries at some point, and you have to deal with them, and yeah. it shouldn't be the excuse that I think it is. And, I mean, goaltending is – listen, goaltending changes a lot in this league, but the goaltending on average is down in 2000. 1819 goaltending is just because of how but it's not as down as it was as, as it's been for this team well this I mean, is, true. I, this I, is just... true and that's why you improve it but even then it's like it, sometimes it's like yeah you need to get a save but then there are other things you could do to mitigate that and you're talking about the defensive mistakes like they could change the way they play just a little bit to maybe not take the same things that they do to mask some of the problems knowing their goaltending isn't what it was you know, like these are things that many people watching are wondering, like, could they change that? I'm not saying that that's not necessarily what they aren't trying to do. It's just saying, like, from the outside, that's what it seems like is happening. And most Panthers fans want that kind of explanation is like, OK, are we going to they're going to continue to make excuses? Or are we going to continue to hear this every time? Or is it going to be time to say, all right, let's go out and fix this? Because, like, the clock is ticking because in many ways, I think many people ask about the future of the team, not just, you know, the, the mindless the relocation stuff, which I'm not getting into. But, you know, like Alexander Barkov's amazing, great league best contract is not that far away from expiring. And he 
is worth double what he's making right now. Then you've got other yeah. players who are on contract that are going to be worth pretty soon double what they're making. And then you start getting into the cap questions that a team like Toronto gets into and Edmonton is in and Winnipeg is going to be in and you don't want to be in that position. And that's why this window is so important, you know, because you're not going to have one of, or if not the league's best two-way center making $5.9 million forever. Yeah, I mean, they've got stuff that they need to get through and need to work through. And, and you know, again, it, you know, all this stuff's going to be talked about in the offseason. They're just, you know, we've got a couple more months to go. And, and there's a lot, going to be a lot of discussions going on about a lot of different things. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how things play out. If you had a guess, then I'll get you out of here on this. And thank you for spending all this time with us the last couple of shows. What do you think – the end game is we'll just focus on the trade deadline. Yeah, they might win, but they're certainly more like 99% likely not to be really in contention. They could be in theory, but in practice, they probably aren't because the teams they have to jump. So what does this team look like come February 26th? They play again, only one road game before the trade deadline. A lot of good teams come to sunrise, but it's a lot of home games coming up and they do play better at home than they do on the road. What does this team look like come the trade deadline? Who who do you if you had to had a gun to your head, who do you think gets traded? What do you think happens in the next month? Um, I agree with you on uh, Mark Pizik. Um I, I think that the free agents will be let go. Um, I, well, I think there might be this, one or yeah, yeah they they will. well for a couple they will. I mean I think Kaselovic uh, will find a place. Everybody's looking for a stay at home defenseman. Um, even as a, you know, as a spare, as a, you know, a six, seven guy, um, I, you know, I, I, you know, he's played nine years in the KHL. Uh, I think, you know, he, he's got a little bit of experience. He's, he's, I think he's been good too. I, I, I actually, I actually like him a lot. And, and, and I think that, uh, you know, he probably should be playing more here, but that's neither here nor there. Well, um, there's a lot of Panthers fans are saying that whatever at this point, we yeah. know what the, the, the boat has sailed on that. Yeah. Um, uh, Troy Brower, you know, veteran guy, somebody will take him. Michael Haley. I, I, I don't know no if one. he goes anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think that they, you know, what are you going to get? So, um, it, it's, you know, I, I think there will be some, there, I don't think there's going to be too many big moves, but there will be some, some smaller moves. And, uh, you know, I think Dale's going to try and get some draft picks back and, um, Again, if if there's six points out at the trade deadline, you know maybe he's a maybe he's a buyer a little bit. I think he'll he'll sell and buy, if you will. I think he'll try and get rid of some guys and maybe bring in some new ones, make a push. I don't know. I mean, again, we're just gonna have to to, to see where they are because I do think if they're you know that's and that's what some people are scared of. If they're six points out that they're going to try and make a run at this thing. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, oh, but I'm just telling not. you their mindset. I agree. I, but if it's not going to, if it's not going to mortgage the future of anything, um, you know, we'll just have to, I mean, Dale's, Dale's, you know, made some pretty good moves over the years. Um, he's been able to, to he's, he's picked up draft picks. He's dealt draft picks. He's not afraid to do that. He's not afraid to use those chips. Um, and I, I think he, he's move, got though. the organization's best. He's got the organization's best best uh, interest at hand. I don't think he's trying to save his job or anything like that. So you don't have someone who's just making deals, trying to to, to salvage something and, and, and stay employed. I, I think what what whatever Dale does is for the best interest moving forward, and um, and for what he thinks is right for the team. And, and, you know, he's got plenty of meetings and they're talking about it. I'm sure they, they've been had dis many discussions already. They've had, they already had their organizational meetings here last week. You had a bunch of scouts in here talking about things. Um, so they've, they've, they've got their shopping list. They know what they want. They know what they need to get rid of. And uh, I'm sure they'll do something in the coming weeks. I mean, maybe if you could get a Frank Petrano kind of player, that's what you buy on. Cause that, that makes sense. But even then, like, I don't know how many of them are going to be available. And that's what you buy on. And then finding a guy, I mean, yeah. Frank Petrano, nice pickup. You gave up a third round pick and you've got maybe a 20, 25 goal scorer this year. So, yeah, when it's no, all no, said, no, 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 um, there's no problem with him. I think he's played very well. And I think there's a lot of players like that, that the Panthers should, if you can get somebody like that by low, that's what you buy. You don't buy 
for the sake of rentals, you don't need to make a run in the playoff spot. You're probably not getting. I agree uh, with that. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. So if you were – and final, final question. Do you think anything to this extent of a more like a Nick Bugstad-type move or maybe trading away an RFA, you mentioned Jared McCann or something like that, is that something you could see or is it basically Pesic and spare parts? It, it just depends on what's being offered out there. I mean, it depends what the marketplace is, right? I mean, because I think that this is definitely a buyer's market. There are a lot of good players that are going to be out there available. Um from other teams, not, not, not from here, but from other teams. So, you know, I, I don't know what's being offered, what Dale, you know, can get for anything. So again, I mean, they, we always talk about trades and then the trade deadline comes and you're like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you get, I mean, like, let's just look at last year. I was in Columbus. Jack Johnson was one of the big names in Columbus ended up keeping him. Why? because the only real deal they had in place was with Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay went to the Rangers and got a different defenseman leaving the Columbus Blue Jackets with, with, with a very limited market to deal with what they had. Um, so they didn't make a move. They, they just kept Jack Johnson and ended up losing him as a free agent. But sometimes you have a deal in place or, 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 a, or a team that you're negotiating with and all of a sudden they get a better deal elsewhere. And then you're like, well, where do I go from here? Nobody else wants it, you know? So then you're just kind of stuck. So we'll have to see how, how that goes. I mean, like it's, it's what we're talking about, RFA guys with term, that kind of thing. Um, you know, some of those guys, you know, have a, you know, they're more other teams. Some teams are more interested in those guys than others. You can get more from them and maybe you don't do it at the deadline, but you know, you can do it in the summer. So I would think there's going to be a few moves here, maybe not at the deadline, but definitely in the summer. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting few months here. It is going to be an interesting few months because this team could have been better. It isn't. And now you have to start looking at whether things are truly going to change and Lord willing. They, they hope they do. Thank you, George. This is about 50 minutes. I don't know if they've ever been on a one interview for this long, but we thank you so much for being here and doing this and talking about the future of the Panthers, and we will be definitely talking with you soon again. All right. Sounds good. You're the best, George. Thank we'll you. you. All right. You're welcome. We'll talk to you later.